Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Angie Coley, a business mentor for a business mentor for rule breakers and rebels. She's an author, speaker, podcast host, etc. She has lots going on, so I'm going to leave that to her to tell you more. So welcome, Angie, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, business mentor for rule breakers and rebels. I put it that way just because I think that there are a lot of creative folks, my, myself included, out there that just have this uh, thought process that we're not good at business or I can't build something out of it. Who's going to pay me for the ideas? Like we've been fed that narrative all our lives of starving artists. And I think that's BS. Mm-hmm. I think you can build a business. I think that business skills are a skill set and they can be learned and they can be improved and developed over time. And so I'm on a mission to to share what I wish I had known when I first started out as a writer so that uh, hopefully I can help other people shortcut the process and build their own thing that they're super proud of. That's awesome. I know we were all programmed one way in our head and I'm glad nowadays that people are starting to see big difference now. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, can you share your journey and what led you to become a business and leadership consultant? Well, I kind of fell into it. Let's see if I can figure out how to tell the Cliff's Notes version of it. I went back to school in my late 20s because I didn't really know what else to do to get my master's degree and was going to work in entertainment industry. I want to be one of the TV development executives who okay. brought the uh, shows to the network, like how uh, you know Mr. Monk could only be on USA and Sharknado could only be on sci-fi, <laughs> those kind of people. Um, and I was working really well in that industry uh, through 2009, 2010, early 2011 until I was laid off from the Oprah Winfrey Network right before it launched, and I couldn't find another job. And in a moment of desperation, I spent 20 bucks I didn't have on going to Barnes & Noble and buying this book someone recommended to me. Uh, this is before Amazon, guys. Uh, <laughs> so I had to go to Barnes & Noble and buy this book. It was called The Well-Fed Writer and by Peter Bowerman, and it basically talked about copywriting, marketing writing. And something in that book just made it click for me, and I went, I could do that. So then proceeded me failing my way forward and every, I didn't know anything about copywriting. I didn't know anything about building a business and I struggled for probably a good 18 months before I went, you know what? I need to get good at copywriting. So I took an in-house job and worked my way up and then eventually saved up enough money to try again and hire a business coach this time. So all this time, I mean, it's been about 13 years that I've been in marketing and copy, and I've, I've worked my way up from nothing and no experience in, in the entertainment industry to running some pretty big name marketing teams and racking up some pretty big wins. Like I, I had an email sequence that was just three emails that made $8.4 million. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. This marketing <laughs> I could do really this. wonderful when it's mm-hmm. done right. Um, but somewhere around 2020, like a lot of us, I just burned out really hard and was like the the puzzle that I once enjoyed about marketing, about figuring out the right words and the right message and the right connection and the right people to get that good product into the hands of that good person that needs it, right? I'm, I'm totally not into the manipulative 
side of marketing. You can have it if that's your flavor. It's not for me. Um, I just lost lost my joy and started down this path of what what do I do next? How do I even do I even if I'm not a copywriter? I don't know what to do next. Now, as it turns out, as my star had been rising and I had been working for these bigger name teams, um, people naturally came to me and said, hey, would you be willing to coach me? I, I need some help. Or I was coaching in another program. And so I started doing some journaling exercises that led me to believe that I was really focused on identifying what brings joy and ease into my life and what brings frustration and struggle and, and slowing down, what impacts my momentum ne negatively. And I started to realize that like, I just didn't love copy the same, but I really loved working with people, helping them solve problems, helping them believe in themselves, come up with new offers, connect with people, rack up wins to the extent that we're able, right? Nobody wins all of them, but we're pretty good track records. So far. <laughs> um, and it was that combined with the fact that I had been on, on stages the previous years and had somebody say, you should have a podcast. And people in the past saying, you need to write a book. And it all just came together in 2020 when I went, all right, cool. I'm, I'm leaving copy and I'm going to write this book and I'm going to start this podcast and we're going to see what happens next. And now we're three years in. The book is about to launch in a couple months here as we're recording this. And I'm super excited. Wow. Well, that's a pretty enciting uh, story. <laughs> but it is it, long. Hopefully I boiled that down enough. No, but I mean, it is good because it is true. Like so many people go through you know, you have to have a job, you have to pay bills, but doing something that you're actually passionate about that you enjoy doing, you know, mm -hmm. that's a hard thing. And most people, you know, especially if you have a family, you have, you know, mouths to feed and rent, you know, they just, no one has time for that, but it is possible. And, you know, if there's someone who's been there, done that and you can say, okay, here's, here's the steps you need to take. Now that's huge. Good for you. <laughs> non-judgmental, non-pressure kind of way, right? Because we've all had coaches and mentors in our lives that say, I think you should do this. I don't believe in that because mm -hmm. there's not really any right choices or wrong choices. There's only what feels good for now and what you can learn from it. Right. For sure. Good job. Now tell us, you specialize in helping businesses create the right culture from the start. So why is company culture so crucial and especially for scaling a business? Oh man. So I, I like to think of it as we're all rowing a boat in the same direction. And it's kind of a corny picture there but i think it, it really helps illustrate the point like we could all be facing different directions in the boat and paddling with all of our might and we're not really going to go anywhere or we might spin in circles a little bit or we can all face toward the beginning and paddle in the same direction which one do you think is going to move the fastest so i mean i think about it in terms of alignment like do i know what i'm trying to achieve do i know who i work well with who i don't work well with um you know what one of the questions that you sent me ahead of time, I remember journaling on this and going, ooh, what do I think about that? I know, for one, that I can't work with super, like, rigidly scheduled people who are, like, accounting for every day, minute by minute, 15-minute breakdowns. That's not a judgment. It is so oppositional to how I work that it would cause more friction and frustration than it would right. actually be productive. So, like, knowing yourself and the vibe that you want and the people that you want in your corner and who you serve is really important so that you're all rowing the same direction right. and you don't have one errant person trying to get us to go this way when we're supposed to be going that way. That'd be very nice. <laughs> but it is true because, I mean, I, I know, like, even with, say, clients where people say, you know, just take anybody who comes along, you know, you have bills to pay and whatnot. But it is true. If you don't have that vibe, that connection, you, you, it, it's, it's hard. I've worked with people who, you know, we are completely opposite, but 
at the end of the day, we work so great together. And then I've had other people who you're just putting heads the whole entire way. And it's like, this isn't working. I'm not happy. You're not happy. And the product suffers. And it's like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's cool. Well, and you mentioned something that I wanted to circle back to is like, we all, we all take that problem client that we know we shouldn't because of the money, but here's the chat. Like even in that situation where it's somebody that you don't really enjoy working with and you're taking it for the paycheck and let's say it goes much better than expected. It actually turned out to be a decent project. You just don't particularly like the person or the work right. and that happens, right? People are people, but who do you think that person's going to refer more of? Yeah. more people like them. So there's multiple levels that, that when you take a, a client that just doesn't work for you for whatever reason, right. could be negatively impacting your forward momentum. Yeah. Well, good way to look at it. It's <laughs> something most people don't look at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess tell us, what are some common challenges businesses face when it comes to building and maintaining positive company culture? I think the, the biggest one is that they're not treating it with any kind of thought process right it's just happening and it's one of those things like a voice or a brand that it's there whether you deliberately thought about it or not mm -hmm. so it's in your best interest to spend some time thinking about it and approaching it in a strategic manner getting clear on like i said who you serve what's your bigger mission in the world do, do we like to have fun or are we all business until it's time to go home to our families like mm -hmm. who are you who do you serve what's your bigger mission so that you can bring the right people into your world to help you fit there. And the danger in not putting some deliberate thought behind that is that you grow fast, right? That happens. And you bring in a, a bunch of people that all have different visions and different interpretations. And that's how the company culture can just kind of grow into its own beast that nobody right. can really get a handle on. And the founder's no longer in control. I don't really like that word control, but right. the, the founder's no longer setting the pace or setting the tone for the team to work under. It's just become this big, untamable nebulous beast. Um, and I don't say that to be scary, right? It can be as simple as sitting down with a, a founder or the first person that you bring on board and just being intentional about what am I trying to build? How do I want this to feel? Right. Um, and, and I always say human first. Like I, I think a lot of problems can be solved and shortcutted if we remember that the people that we're working with are people yeah. and they deserve the same grace that, that we would hope for on our worst days, right? Mm -hmm. That is true because I know um, one of the things now with, you know, like I was a big advocate for have people with different backgrounds, different, you know, because you get a different flavor for the type of work. But, you know, how you mentioned how it gets carried away and then you're kind of lost. But that's where having, you know, you have your senior person and let's just have like weekly get togethers. I want to hear what you think. And then I'll tell you what I think, you know, so they feel important and heard because you're valuing what they have to say, but I'm still in control at the end of the day. And I hate the word control just like you, but, you know, at least you don't lose, lose the sense of where am I in this whole thing? Because we're all together. Like even with me, I'm on the agency side. Um, but I always feel every client who hires me, I work for you. And it's sometimes like, it's tricky because I do <clears throat> IRP or marketing. I do all three and a lot of companies don't. So sometimes I might say, okay, I'm doing the PR you're doing the IR and you're doing the marketing. But what happens is everybody's so afraid you're going to take my job that you have three different people sharing three different stories and I'm kind of like, this isn't working. At the yeah. end of the day, we all have to work together. We have the same goal. We want to help a company and that's it, mm -hmm. you know? And I think if people felt valued, you know, and not like, you know, or, or you know, I had jobs too. It was like, you know, you shut up. I don't even know your name. Just do your job. That's what you paid for. 
Okay, mm-hmm. but I, I might have a different thought on how this could be better. Maybe you don't know. Tell me why. You're out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a good way to keep the culture going, keep it fresh, but keep everybody, you know, because if you feel valued someplace, you're going to stay there 10 times longer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, could you share some examples of companies that have successfully transformed their culture and what lessons can other businesses learn from them? Mm, I had to go digging for this one because I knew I had read this story that just like resonated on all the levels. And I finally found it. It's in this book by uh, Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit, if you've ever read it. And he told this story about Alcoa, which is an aluminum production company that does like, you know, gum wrappers and all, all kinds of things that are in everyday products. Right. Pretty big business. But they were failing. The, I remember reading this story because it just stuck out in mind. Like there was so much infighting that at one point the union built an effigy of the managers and burned it in the parking lot. Like talk about sending a signal that I am really unhappy wow. with you. Right? Um, so they bring in this outsider who's not from the industry at all. And he comes in and he does his little evaluation period. And in the first meeting with the, the general company, Instead of talking about profits and streamlining and efficiency and productivity, all the, the typical stuff that you would expect from a new executive, he says, our number one priority is safety. And he implements a system where like all of the production plants everywhere, there's a comms system set up to where the newest, least experienced, lowest person on, person um, in the hierarchy could reach out to somebody on the executive team very quickly with an mm-hmm. idea on how to improve safety, right? And as these ideas started being surfaced from the bottom to the top and started being implemented, that increased trust, that increased confidence, that increased people's pride in the work that they were doing. It reduced the injuries, it improved the efficiency and the productivity and led to profitability. So like this people first focus really can have a big broader impact and i I love the way that the author put it when he talked about it because he really said i mean who's going to argue against safety yeah well like no 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 i would like for my you know foot to be cut off today nobody's going to say that that's one thing that we can all align our boat in the same direction and work towards safety um and it just had this wonderful byproduct of getting everybody focused in the same direction freaking loved it that was nice yeah you have to look for that little um, hook that's gonna that everybody has the same goal um Mm -hmm. because it is true but other things you know you might have someone who's gonna knock you down the flight of stairs because they want to get ahead but at the end of the day if you're all working there you want to be safe you know i mean that that's actually a good um you know i don't know how deep he had to look but that's actually a good um little i guess niche or whatever that he found to get everybody on the same boat so that's awesome (laughs) i love it yeah now, you're also the host of the Permission to Kick-Ass podcast. So what inspired you to start this podcast and what can listeners expect from it? Um, well, it's kind of another involved story. So I'm going to tell <laughs> the, the copywriting journey story about well, probably five or six years in. I'm full-time in a corporate job working my way up to senior and I had the opportunity to join this online copywriting community called Copy Chief. And it was small enough in the beginning that the uh, the founder of the community could tell when people weren't act- interacting. And yeah. that's uh, how he found me and we got to know each other. I remember getting a message from him one day and saying, hey, you know, could we hop on a call? I noticed that you joined about four months ago and you haven't said anything in the forum. I just wanted to get to know you, wanted to see if I could help. And I hopped on the call and I'm such a big fan 
of this guy. I had been following him for a couple of years that I'm kind of starstruck when we talk. Like, oh my gosh, you guys are talking about what's going on. And so I keep trying to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kiss some butt and, right. and stand out. And, well, no, but no, how can I help you? I really want to help you and, and get on your radar. And he goes, you could help me by interacting in the forum and making this a really cool place to hang out so that people want to come here and hang out. Like that's yeah. making making it a cool membership place where people feel comfortable to post yeah. is what's going to help me out the most. Um, and I just had this real resistance against it because I, I kept seeing these super smart people that were more established than me or they were freelancers, which I automatically elevated to way cooler than me as a corporate <laughs> stiff. They're over here saying these smart things and I can't compete with them. And he goes, that's not a competition. First of all, everybody has something to contribute. And he goes, I feel like you're waiting for someone to give you permission to be an expert and you don't actually need it. You can help people right now exactly as you are without learning a single other thing. Wow. Um, but in case, just in case you are holding yourself back because nobody's giving you permission, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm here by anointing you, Angie Coley, enough <laughs> to go out there and help people. Please go out there and kick some ass. And so later on, you know, I would go on to be very active in this community. And that's how people started approaching me for coaching. And then I became a coach in one of Kevin's programs. And we started working closer and closer together. And one day I remember in his mastermind, I was like, I think I'm going to write a book. And I'm totally stealing what you told me. Permission to kick ass is the name of the book. And like, it's one of those names that every time I say it to somebody, everybody goes, <laughs> that's a good name I'm like, right? it's a really good name and it's got such a great story too and i want to give everybody that permission do what you want to do right. uh except that it's not always going to turn out the way that you hoped but sometimes it might turn out even better yeah. uh, and you get to figure out your own path because we're no longer in a world where you have to follow a certain set of steps that only work for a very narrow right. group of people uh to happiness create your own that's so awesome it's messy <laughs> That's awesome. I, it is true, though, because you never know. I mean, you can try it, but you know what? Like, they always use the expression, you know, if it doesn't work, you learn something from it, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, so many people spend there. We did a podcast with someone not that long ago where, you know, people work to their retirement age, and, you know, they're miserable every day. They just go through the routine. They go to work. They, you know, it's it just there's no happiness at all. But how about doing something you like? And you'd be, you could be totally amazed on what you can do, you know? I don't want to be miserable for 60, 70 years to, mm -hmm. to not have any energy or health or vitality left to enjoy the years that I've been working so hard to save up for. I don't want any of that. And I think that's, you know, you asked me about what the show is like. It's a show where we openly talk about failure and what we've mm -hmm. learned. I call it a seat at the bar between entrepreneurs uh, talking about what business is really like after the conference is over right because <laughs> right? we all see the polished <laughs> production and the these are all the steps that i've taken to achieve right. massive success but we don't always see the conversations that are happening at the bar where that same speaker is talking about it just lost my biggest client got hit with a lawsuit and i don't know what i'm gonna do right. like, success and struggle are not mutually exclusive and i wanted to create the show that would have shown me in my younger entrepreneur days that there was not a dividing line between me the perpetual screw up over here and the person on stage who was always successful and had all of their stuff figured out right there's no dividing line you can do it it's just going to be a struggle sometimes yeah nowadays with people pretty much having you know it's almost like an open mic where years ago people didn't talk about different things and mm -hmm. nowadays people you know talking about failure that's not a bad thing anymore 
And, you know, sometimes you need that one person because you got someone, like I always love when people, they judge a book by its cover and they always have me all figured out, you know, oh, look at her. She comes probably from this wealthy family. Life was always handed. So it's like, you have no, I wrote two books about it. It's like, you have no idea what I've gone through in life. But, you know, sometimes talking about it, you have someone else who's like, oh my God, I was doing the same thing. I thought it was just me, you know? So it's awesome that people nowadays, they're not ashamed to talk about anything anymore. It's like, because half the world is feeling what you feel and now people are talking about it now. So, and they learn from one another, you know, it's, I learned, you know, like everything you're saying, I'm kind of like, oh, that's pretty interesting. You know I mean? You're never too old to learn. <laughs> and you hear other people go through it and you realize, oh, that is a common thing. That's a thing that's solvable. That's a thing that's survivable, right? Mm -hmm. And you start to detach a little bit more from this idea that failure is somehow your identity instead of just an event that happens to every single human being on this planet. Like, mm -hmm. imagine if we could treat building a business the same way that we support a baby taking its first steps. Like, how many times does that kid wipe out, mm -hmm. fall down, bounce, you know, and still get up to try again, right? Mm -hmm. Learning to walk. And take it from people who have survived brain injuries, car accidents, and have had to learn to walk again. That is one of the hardest things that you can do. And yet, most of us are fortunate enough to learn how to do it. Some of us learn it multiple times, and yeah. it's it's worth it, right? Yeah. And so even with the business is worth it. Yeah. But even with, you know, some people, like, sometimes I'll talk to them, like, oh, my God, you don't even know what I've got. And I'm just sitting here, like, when they tell me, like, the problem, I I'll sympathize with you, but I'm kind of like, that's nothing. I mean, like, honestly, like, if you see what other people deal with and look at them, they've succeeded. You know, you have to get that thick skin and, and you know, grow a little bit of a bigger backbone, and, you know, but help people can learn so much from just hearing and seeing about other people. And I think that's awesome. And we, I think sometimes if we're stuck in that space, too, where we can't see past our own traumas and our own bad experiences because every single human again has traumas and bad experiences right. and this just kind of ties into my message of like humans gonna human treat everybody with kindness because it doesn't cost extra yeah I, um I, I totally lost my train of thought on that one i know it was a good one but <laughs> we could get back in there <laughs> yeah yeah no but i mean it is important and you know i think people like i said nowadays that they're not afraid to talk about things anymore it's it's almost like therapy you know you're just yes. talking and talking and you're learning and you're experiencing you know like i said if i could do with so much crap but if i see someone else i'm like you know i kind of feel a little better now because mine wasn't that bad but now i'm super powered because i see how much you've gone further now i want to be like you you know and it's it's all therapeutic you know oh that jogged my memory okay i remember what it was now it was that like if we get stuck in our own stuff and we can't see past our own trauma it's usually because there's something that needs to be learned or something that needs to be healed. And we're going to stay stuck in that place kind mm -hmm. of spinning until we learn it or we heal it and we're ready to move forward. So like if something is not happen happening to you and it feels like the world is out to get you and the, the other shoe is always waiting to drop, what in my life needs an adjustment, needs some looking at, needs some healing and some love and kindness and mm -hmm. some tenderness? Like we often tend to, to stay where we're at repeating the same thing over and over again until we've learned enough to break that pattern and move on. Yeah. Yeah, it's one big cycle. I mean, they always say life doesn't come in an instruction book, unfortunately. So we just <laughs> learn and, you know, everything's a learning experience. And I agree with you 100%. <laughs> now tell us in your upcoming book, what key insights or advice would you be sharing with entrepreneurs and business leaders? Um, it's a little bit of a tome. I admit that I, I was having fun telling stories. 
But basically what I tried to do in the book was, and I jokingly call it a love letter to a younger me, <laughs> was basically distilled down the three key pieces that I think a beginning entrepreneur needs, especially a creative person, to to familiarize themselves with the business skill sets. First of all, that's like mindset and preparation, especially if you're still stuck in a day job. Convincing yourself to leave is one of the hardest choices that you can make, right? Um, what do I offer? How do I charge for this? Where do I get business? Like I asked all of those questions and gave my best answer based on my own experience and the people that I've coached and all of the people I've talked to over the years. Um, and, and I'm not afraid to say things like, uh, screw your business card. Don't worry about it right now. Go to a, a business event to meet people, not to hand out cards, to connect mm -hmm. with people. Reach out to people that you know, people that you went to church with, people that you volunteered with, people that you graduated with and say, hey, this is what I'm doing now. How can I, uh, do you know anybody that needs help? How can I help you? Mm -hmm. You can get business pretty fast if you focus on simple. Make an offer for something that people want, have a way for them to get in touch and give you money. I call that the lemonade stand model. <laughs> There's four things. Something right. for sale, people who want to buy it, a way to take money and a way to get in touch. People do it every week on Facebook Marketplace, yeah. uh, at flea markets, at farmer's markets. Do not make this harder than it has to be, especially not when you're getting started. Yeah, I think it's everybody's biggest fear is, you know, especially, you know, it gets a little tricky with like competition out there. You know, you, there's so much competition out there, but there's enough companies, enough people out there for everybody. You know, but if you yes. overthink that I have to be like, it is a little tricky with me. Like I said, I do IRP or marketing. And I get yelled at a lot for that. It, this is was kind of like the job I had right out of high school. It was an agency that did all of that. And it's like all I know. And everybody's like, no, you got to pick one. And I'm kind of like, like even with like trying to do like resumes and stuff, it's like one or the other. And I'm like, I don't know how to do one or the other. I just know how to do it all. But, you know, it, mm -hmm. it makes me sound all over the place. And, you know, I make it more complicated than it actually has to be. And I'm like, kind of like, I don't know an easier way to do this, but it just, I always say, this is who I am. I mean, love me or leave me. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> well, and for some people, the complicated part is narrowing down to something super simple. So mm -hmm. I know that that was something that I struggled with. Actually recently had the epiphany that, that lovely title that you introduced me with, the business mentor for rule breakers and rebels is something that I came up with two weeks ago at a business conference after several years on my own, not being a copywriter. And that was because I was operating, you know, under this, the frustration and stress of, of being in marketing. Um, and that's not to say I had a bad experience. It was just done and ready yeah. for the next thing. And, and not being able to figure out the next thing was, was very challenging because that's your identity. What am I doing if I'm not a copywriter? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but in the interest of finding a new direction, I fell into the the old standby trap, right, of burn it all down and go in a completely <laughs> different direction. I'm going to focus entirely over here on leadership and build something completely new. Um, and when I was talking to people at this event, shout out to Donnie if he's listening at the, the Badass Business Summit is where I went. He goes, are you sure you want to be in leadership? Because what I'm hearing is that you love to write. And like, if you had to choose between the two, which would you do? And I said, oh, right. But not for anybody but myself. And that's okay. the change. Right. And so that just started me down a weekend of meeting with people and talking over different ideas and realizing, like you said, I do it all. I look at the holistic picture of the business yeah. because I don't want to be a marketing teacher. I don't want to be a leadership teacher. I don't want to be a systems teacher. All three of those pieces 
are necessary for the business to succeed. And I want to look at when the machine is malfunctioning, not just the little part. Right. Very well said. <laughs> it is true, though. You know, I mean, you have to, like I always tell everybody, you know, you have to have that core. And, you know, you found it. And that's awesome. And a lot of people, like you said, sometimes they need somebody to direct them there because you don't yes. see it yourself. <laughs> yeah. My, one of my friends puts it as it's hard to see the label when you're inside the bottle. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, outside perspective can really shift your mindset. It's not, mm -hmm. you're not being a burden if you're reaching out to people and asking for help and perspective. Like yeah. often they can say something inside 30 seconds that makes you go. Yeah, look at that guy. I told you, you seem to like to write. You sure you want to do that? <laughs> Why did I not say that? Yeah. And he dragged stuff out of me. He put me on the spot and it was <laughs> awkward in front of a bunch of people. But he said, you know, if you had a mission and he just kept forcing me to think and react on the fly and I blurted out, I don't want a single other creative entrepreneur to go to their grave thinking that they're not good enough and that there was something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the room went and people started welling up with tears and I started crying. <laughs> it was just like a moment where I was like, oh, there's something bigger here. It's about more than the business. And to tie back what we talked about earlier with the mission, what are you doing this for? Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because there's a lot of entrepreneurs and would-be entrepreneurs out there that, that are playing small because they don't know how to play bigger. So let me help them. Let me give them that permission. There you go. Could be something getting permission that you didn't think that would even matter, but apparently it did. <laughs> it did for um, me at least. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably for many, many more too. <laughs> now tell us, as a consultant, what strategies do you recommend for entrepreneurs to effectively manage and lead their teams? Hmm. I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier, like know yourself, know who you are. Um, and, and when I say know yourself, I'm not talking about it in kind of an excuse-making way where, where you defer and go, oh, well, that's just who I am and how I have to deal with it. That doesn't really work for building relationships with people. And I'm also not talking about it in a self-flagellating sense where it's like, well, here are my faults and man, I really suck as a human being. Neither one of those extremes is really true. The answer is usually somewhere in the middle. And so if you can look at yourself and go, okay, these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses, and then not judge yourself for it, right? Just focus on what you can do and getting people around you that fill in the gaps mm -hmm. who are following that same mission. So, I mean, I think it really starts with knowing yourself and knowing the people that you mm -hmm. want in that boat with you. Um, like I mentioned that, that option earlier, people that uh, schedule everything in 15-minute increments and they're constantly you know, running toggle to see what they're doing and they're trying to optimize their day down mm -hmm. to the minute. That's just not how I operate. And no matter how hard I try, I can't get on board with that. And I will waste so much energy mm -hmm. and goodwill trying to fit into a corporation like that. Or alternatively, if, you know, my more loose, uh, I, no meeting is a good meeting policy where I try to have as few meetings as possible, uh, that's really going to stress somebody out who mm -hmm. likes to optimize their time. Um, so what is the fit look like? Who is going to be and how do I set them up for success in this role? And how are we going to work together? I know that's not really a strategy so much as a mindset or an outlook, yeah. but uh, just setting up a place where people can be people and giving them a safe space to fail, allowing for failure to happen because that's mm -hmm. part of the growth process. And I remember I interviewed somebody a while back who um, she, I'm not going to tell her story, but um, she failed in a very big way to the tune of losing several million dollars. And it was in a family business. So like she did that in front of her father and her father saw that coming and let it happen. But guess who one never made that mistake again. 
and two was like the biggest, most responsible advocate for the awesomeness of the company, right? Because they made a mistake and they were safe and now they get to try again. And that's just power and that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's good because a lot of people, you know, like especially big corporations, you know, they don't ever want to take a chance, you know, and it's, you know, and like you say, with people on the boat with you, you know, if you're changing direction or doing something different, maybe the, the click that you were with before, the people you work with, people you socialize with, maybe they don't get it. But if you're changing directions, there's a group out there that that's for you. And you have to be mm-hmm. open to say, okay, you know, because change is scary, you know, so you have to have, you know, the cojones to actually say, okay, we're going in this direction. We're going to take a chance. I have faith in myself and this is going to work and go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, if it fails, it's okay. You know, <laughs> I have faith in myself to figure it out. Yeah. Sometimes they need that help, that little push. <laughs> yep. Nice. Now, so tell us, what are some signs that businesses may need to reassess or redefine its company culture? And how can they initiate the process? Well, we just kind of touched on it. Like if there's a, a culture where sticking your neck out, trying a new idea is, is a risk where somebody might lose their job or be publicly mm-hmm. reprimanded and humiliated. Um, one of the signs that you're in a company like that is if you constantly hear, and this is so triggering for me in so many ways, but this is the way we've always done it. Okay, cool. I'm not a fan of rocking the boat and reinventing the wheel just to shake things up and keep mm-hmm. things new. But I'm also not a fan of sitting on the train tracks of history and letting the future run you over, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, to use a kind of a cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't sit still and we can't constantly shake things up, right? There's I like to think of it as 80-20. If we've got 80% of our processes dialed in, well, then 20% of the time we can spend it tweaking, optimizing, trying new things, mm-hmm. and not burning everybody out in the process because we're constantly running around with our hair on fire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, freedom mm-hmm. to try new things and to fail and to to look at your processes and see how they're working for you, mm-hmm. not just imagine that they're set in stone for all eternity once you've developed them. Right. Now, that's a good analogy. You know, 80%, you're not going to crumble. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> give it a little bit. Yeah. So now, can you provide some actionable tips for entrepreneurs looking to create a supportive and empowering work environment for their teams? Mm, Yes. Um, I would say if you are facing a struggle, especially like with a subordinate, somebody that you're trying to lead, to always look for your peace in what's happening. And that's not to say 100% of the time there's going to be a peace that you own, but at least look for it. Um, I had somebody on a team that I ran once that was assigned to a a very big name project and was constantly missing deadlines. And I was getting so frustrated. But when I looked at it, I was looking for for my piece and I was looking for the human element. And the human element that I could find was that my subordinate didn't know that they could come to me for help when they were getting stuck. And from what I could piece together, they were staying up all night for multiple nights before the deadline, crying and noodling this thing within an inch of its life and overthinking and really caring. And when I could find that human piece of it, then I can connect with that person and go, I see how hard you're working. I see how much you care. I know that you want to do a great job on this. And the idea that you might fail is stressing you out. Did you know that I'm here to help you with stuff like this? And like, if you're struggling, if you let me know, I could help you brainstorm. I could sit with you while you write a couple of sections and we could bounce some ideas back and forth. If you let me know you're running behind, I can argue for more time with the client on your behalf. 
But when you come to me at the 11th hour and tell me things are going to be late, then we're all in a bad spot now right. and we all look look bad. And I don't want to add that pressure on top of the pressure that you're already feeling. Like, tell me how I can alleviate some of that for you so you can do your best work. Right. And that just changed the dynamic where I'm like, I'm, I'm giving him back some of the power, right? To And I want him to take responsibility for his piece of it. Right. Uh, I'm not trying to step in and do it for him, but also giving him permission to to acknowledge where things went wrong before. I see it. You see it. Let's not let this be a repeating thing. What can we do to help each other out? Mm-hmm. I want to see you win as badly as you want to win. Mm-hmm. What can we do? It's you and me versus the problem, not you and me versus each other. That's awesome. There's so many people, they, they're afraid to ask for help, but they don't want to be looked on as if they can't do it. But we're all human. And sometimes you need that extra help. And because I was one of those people working 18 hour days and just had to get it done. And, you know, but no one ever gave me the impression or there anything to say that I had help anywhere. So I just felt like I was drowning, but I needed a job, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I think if someone ever said to me, let's do this together, I, I would, oh, I would have just made things so much easier. And I think that really, you know, and then you appreciate, you feel appreciated because you know, they're not hating you. They want to help, you know? So that's actually really good. So now I guess looking ahead. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's my first agency job, um, I was very fortunate that the creative director was this kind of people person because he had like inadvertently put some pressure on me. I was the first copywriter to join the team in the company's 80 year history. And yeah. it was like all good national campaigns start with copy. What have you got? And I was like, this is my first agency job. I didn't know I was the one that was pitching the ideas. So I had to come back the next day to a, a reconvened meeting and pitch some ideas and what happened in that room was was life-altering in the best sense of the word because I felt this enormous, I had stayed up all night putting together ideas, trying to make them the best, most impressive ideas that would carry a campaign nationwide. And then when we got in the room and I threw these ideas out, suddenly, kind of like a rock in a tumbler, like it's being bounced around and added perspective. And what about this? And what about that? And by the end, it was such a bright, shiny, polished idea with the input of all of these people with all of these different skill sets that it was something way better than I could have ever done on my own. And so that's how I look at this. Like sometimes, of course, as a company leader, you've got to carry the strategy largely alone. A lot of the time, other people can step up and help you with that and they can bring to the table all kinds of awesomeness that you wouldn't have even seen. Right. Oh, very good. <laughs> Everybody feels included. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I guess looking ahead, what trends or developments do you see in the world of business and leadership that entrepreneurs should be aware of and prepare for? I think we're already starting to see it, especially with the paranoia over AI. There's a lot of folks out there that are really super comfortable, kind of uh, the way I put it, is outsourcing all of their thinking to the machines. Mm-hmm. Um, peopling is too hard. Connecting with people is too hard. So they're opting to put a screen between themselves and other people. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the skill sets of the future, and right, talk about history coming back around and things being circular. I think the next swing of the, the pendulum is going to belong to the people who know how to build human connections in an age where there are so many opportunities to disconnect and go do mm-hmm. your own thing. We were built to be connected as a species. And one of my uh, psychotherapist friends talks about disconnection being the root of suffering. When you feel alone, when you feel abandoned, when you feel like you don't have any support and you're, mm-hmm. you're fighting this uphill battle, 
it's hard, right? Mm -hmm. But if you feel connected to people and like folks have your back and you can call a friend in a moment of need and you could talk to a boss about struggle at home and not have to worry about your job, that mm -hmm. completely changes the energy and the dynamic. So how do we build connection? Learning to get better at talking to people. And that includes knowing when to express uh, disappointment and being let down, to how to stay in touch when you just want to reach out and build a connection. Like, all of these things are going to be more important than ever. Creativity mm -hmm. and human connection in the age of machines. Well, it's funny when you say uh, express disappointment because, like I said, nobody wants to be in trouble. But, like, think of even just, like, couples or anything. When you go to, like, you know, a couple therapy, you're talking about what pisses you off, what you like, what you don't like. I mean, that's the only way to get better. You can't just say, like, you know, you can hate your job and just be like, no, it's all great. You know, you know, tell me. Because, honestly, a lot of times you don't know. I could be running a company and have no idea that you're feeling this way. And it's like, oh, my God, I didn't know. And that... You know, unless you're one of these people who are just like, oh, well, not my problem. I'll get something else. You know, I want everybody, especially if you're good at what you do. Well, how can I keep, how, what could I do to make you stay? You know what I mean? So you have to have a voice and that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Connection, connection. It's all about being people and, and not falling into the, the Hollywood uh, romance trope of if it's the right fit, there will never be any fighting or conflict. Wrong. <laughs> we, humans, we all get cut off and like have all of the small things go wrong leading up to walking into the office and so we're gonna bite everybody like everybody <laughs> it has a human moment right. where and we have disagreements and different perspectives and different filters and life experiences so like conflict is gonna happen but yeah. can you navigate it in a way that brings you closer together and helps you work through it or is every conflict threatening to blow up your relationship right <laughs> yeah now you want to tell us anything else you're working on or anything new that we didn't cover yeah as i mentioned uh working on a book uh it is in the final stage of self-publication release date is december 1st of 2023 nice. which is my 40th birthday uh, that was <laughs> i reached a moment earlier this year where i was like i've been working on this thing for five years we're putting it out there <laughs> so if you find typos don't come at me it needs to go out that's that's where we're at right now um book is coming out would love if you signed up at permission to kick ass.com that's all one word um i'll let you know when the book's out when you can get a copy if you want to be on the street team um and of course stop by the podcast we're having all kinds of embarrassing and awesome and hilarious and insightful conversations about what business looked like and how our perspectives changed when we <laughs> tried things and failed at them um, and you can find me on social media, uh, either at Angie Coley or at Permission to Kick Ass on all kinds of channels. Uh, I'm sure you're going to show notes. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Nice. So I guess you already answered how people could get a hold of you, but I'll post the uh, I'll post the links on here also. So make sure you reach out. <laughs> Always jumping ahead. <laughs> hey, it's all good. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you again for being on the show. Again, that was Angie Coley. So thanks for listening to success. Thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing. So thank you again. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate you having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.